0: Welcome into the The Claptrap, brought to you by Ultrasound Productions, now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. All right, welcome into another episode of the Claptrap. I have my buddy Andrew, Patriots underscore Andrew, back on the show to be able to talk all about this Patriots team. We have the bi-week edition of Patriots Andrew and we got to get into his thoughts about the way that the team has been. Obviously, we're going to be coming out of the bye week playing against a Jets team that we just went against a little bit ago. We're going to get into that. Uh, but first off, i got to start off with what has just happened, what has transpired during this, this bye week for the Patriots. Week 10 of the NFL happened, and a lot of crazy games, including what a lot of people are saying in the game of the year, uh, or, or at least the game of the week between the Bills and the Vikings. So, first of all, just happy to have you back on, Andrew, onto the show. And and secondly, with seeing everything that happened in Week 10, do you feel better or worse about the Patriots and, and their chances going forward uh, now that we've gotten through the entire week?
1: Um, I think probably about the same. I mean, Week 10 was kind of just more the same, just you know, chaotic, unpredictable. Well, any Sunday types, stuff going to be a lot more like parity in the league this year than there has been some other years. So, I mean, it's kind of wide open. I mean, realistically, are the Patriots in a position to take advantage of it being that wide open? Probably not. But um, you know, there's still still a lot of football left. Injuries are going to happen, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, right now it, it feels like uh, you know, with the way that that everything went during Week Ten. I, I kind of am starting to feel a little bit worse about their chances. I mean, I don't think that we had really like high hopes for this team necessarily. If we're being realistic with ourselves, we're all thinking this is the same team that just barely got into a playoff berth, if you want to call it that, and then got dismantled last year. They're at this position once again, where we're going into the back half of the year, a chance to make it, but you have a bunch of teams in front of you that look a hell of a lot better. So what are you supposed to do with all that kind of stuff? I feel a lot worse now actually about the Vikings because I was starting to think that they, I don't know, I I, I had this idea in my head that they were still kind of a fraudulent team and maybe the Patriots could go on Thanksgiving sneak in there and steal one from them just because I don't believe in cousins overall, but man, after seeing what they were able to do against the bills and just that, you know, Justin Jefferson is easily the best wide receiver in the game right now. Uh, They are, they are stacked with weapons. Uh, and and I think that they are going to be a problem for the the Patriots in a couple of weeks. Were you feeling a similar way about them? Did you already feel like the Vikings were legit? I I could have been just completely wrong about them being somewhat fraudulent. What did you think?
1: No, I was kind of on the same page as you with the Vikings, and um, honestly, like, yeah, the Bills, it's a legitimate win. I don't want to take anything away from them there, but at the same time, like, how did they win? You know, Josh Allen kind of threw some uncharacteristic interceptions, you know, the whole team, the bills, you know, they're not like, you know, some super team where they just show up and crush everybody every single week. They're going to have an ebb and flow to their season. They're going to have some, some lulls, some down weeks. And it seems like they're kind of in a Valley right now, as opposed to one of their peaks and they'll get right. Um, So I think between that and like, you know a broken play where a safety took a bad angle that allowed Delvin Cook to run for literally the longest run of his entire career. You know a couple of fluke plays plus like the Josh Allen fumble in the end zone. That like it was kind of a fluky win. Um, it was a, definitely against like a legitimate team and the Vikings aren't like a pushover by any stretch. But I think if the Vikings win this week against Dallas, you know another tough team, it's kind of like okay, like you just you crush the Bills. You, you know, oh, not crush them, but you beat the Bills, you beat Dallas, you know, you're beating all these contenders. You're kind of riding that emotional high, then all of a sudden it's boom. Short week, you get the Patriots. Maybe you're looking past them a little bit, not to mention the fact that it's Kirk Cousins in prime time. We know how that goes. So I think mm. a lot of the Patriots' chances, to me, depend on if the Vikings beat Dallas this week or not. Because I think all if right. they lose to Dallas, they're going to show up and handle business on the following Thursday against the Pats.
0: Yeah, they'll be hungrier at that point, and it will be no stopping them. But, yeah, I like that scenario, obviously, where the Patriots can still a one. But, man, yeah, I was kind of going into it thinking, all right, they're probably going to end up getting rolled by the Bills here. Uh, they'll come back down to earth. Everyone's opinions of them will come back down to earth. And then all of a sudden it will be the Vikings with cousins as, as it was before. But after that win, I thought that, you know, hey – Uh, Maybe they are more legit than I'm giving them credit for. And the Patriots have a tough battle with them coming up in a couple of weeks, but they even have, I I think after this week 10, the amount of pressures that's been ratcheted up for even just this Jets game upcoming out of the bye week, I think is huge. This is the last game that they're going to be considered the favorites going into it. You have a Jets team that just came off beating that that Bills squad, and then they were able to, or, or they're coming out of a bye week as well, Uh, And obviously looking for revenge. Do you feel a little more pressure for the Patriots this week than originally going into it? I mean, we had just come off beating them. Now do you feel more pressure?
1: Uh, Definitely more pressure for sure. Um, I don't feel any different about their chances. I still like their chances against the Jets because at the end of the day, it's Zach Wilson. I mean, it doesn't really matter how good the team is around him. Like he's... You know, not to say he's the absolute worst starting quarterback in the NFL, but he's he's definitely in that conversation right now. And he's just he's one of those guys that Bill Belichick defensively is just going to put his brain into a blender. And he's going to have just plenty of plenty of looks that Wilson's not going to have any answers for. And that just kind of seems to be how things are going to go for the Jets against the Patriots until – Wilson kind of has a breakout or until then move on to the next guy.
0: Okay, it's time for our first break. But when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Andrew talking all about week 10 in the NFL here on 90.7 WKKL.
1: The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. We're
0: back talking all about week 10 in the NFL and the Patriots upcoming matchups with the Jets. Let's get back to it. Seeing ghosts. He's seeing ghosts just like that other Jets quarterback with seeing ghosts against the Patriots. It'll probably happen again. Uh, Hopefully Matthew Judon can continue his crazy streak and the pressure and getting like Barr Moore back and stuff like that, get right up in his face, uh, create a lot of chaos. And uh hopefully that'll be the case. But it just feels like there's going to be more pressure from the Patriots or for the Patriots in this game, a game that I guess would be the last one that I mean, this team shouldn't be we shouldn't be feeling confident against any team. I don't think this year, but this is the last one where you felt a little bit, at least maybe like yeah. fifty five. Raiders. 60. Well, OK. All right. We got Raiders. That'll, that'll be an interesting I mean, They're one a
1: dumpster out. fire. Right.
0: <laughs> That's another one. That's another one that happened this week. That's completely being proven to be just a horrible decision for Josh McDaniels. I don't know. If, do you think he just can't be a head coach at this point?
1: Um, I think he can't be a head coach. He's just not like a leader like that. I think he's just a guy who's going to be better as a coordinator always. But I also, you know, I wasn't high on them coming into the year either because, you know, everybody wanted to talk about, oh, well, it's, you know, Devontae Adams. They just got him and now he's next to Waller and they got and Josh McDaniels is going to dial up all these crazy plays and it's going to be awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't really think anything matters on offense if the O-line isn't any good, and it was pretty obvious their O-line wasn't going to be any good. Yeah, yeah, that's a,
0: that's a major problem. Now they're dealing with injuries uh, as well with Waller and stuff like that. They're not they're not a good position, and that division isn't getting any easier uh, with the Chiefs, obviously. And the, the Chargers are legit as well, I think, um, regardless of how everything went with them. Uh, but there was another team just in our own division – that I also wanted to talk about that had another huge win in week 10 and that's the Miami Dolphins going out there and putting up 39 points in their win this week dominating uh and and I I don't know I I think at this point now what so two was seven and oh in games that he started and finished this season uh the the Miami Dolphins look very legit when he's in there but I still want to say that I don't trust Tua. Is that weird for me to still be at that point? Should I, do I have to get over that? Are we wrong about saying that Tua is still untrustworthy? Or where are you at with that?
1: Well, for me, it's. I, I think he's proven that he can be trustworthy during the regular season. The big thing to me, and I'm like this with every warm weather team, um, with I guess Brady's champion Buccaneers being – I think like they'll be coming to Foxborough by any means, but just as an example, them having to come to Foxborough in January, that's going to be a much, much different game than you're going to see, you know, in September. I just think um, I'm, not, I'm not really in, like I said, on warm weather quarterbacks or teams, guys who have never done it to have to go on the road in the playoffs and win those kind of games. It just, them and dome teams always seem to get exposed down the stretch unless they have home field advantage.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I I think you cut out there for a little bit, but we got your message overall that the, uh, yeah, it makes sense that warm-weather quarterbacks is going to be a lot harder later on in the year, but we still have to worry about him during the regular season, and the regular season is when you decide who's going to make it into those playoff games, so I don't know, I I guess i got to stop thinking about them that way, but I still look at them as a team with so many damn weapons. Of course, they're going to be good, but a quarterback that I don't know, I, I still don't personally trust him. I, 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 we'll see how things go, uh, especially when the Patriots have to face off with them. That's closer to the end of the year, and, and we'll see how things are at that point. But
1: yeah, they're exploitable for sure. I mean, they, they're, they you know, the, well, the injuries defense. keep adding up, especially on defense. They just, uh, I forget who it was. They just Maybe it was Agua that they just put on IR from the defensive line They just it keeps stacking up. And really all it is with them is a track beat and they just keep, keep beating people. But I look at from a matchup standpoint, like I said, about uh, the warm weather thing having to come here. I mean, it'll still be late December when they come here. Um, they've kind of been steamrolling, you know, most of these defenses all year long. But you look back to week one against the Patriots, they did not. I believe they had 20 points total, but, uh, they had a defensive touchdowns, so think they only scored about 13 points on offense right. against the Patriots. Um, you know, John Jones, he transitioned to outside corner this year. He has been by far the best at covering or helping do cover Tyreek Hill of anyone in the league. You add in that the warm weather factor of all of them coming up here and it's kind of just, you know, anything can happen. So I don't, I don't think in a vacuum the Patriots are a better team than Miami. I don't think they can keep up with them, but I think in that particular situation, I wouldn't count the Patriots out.
0: Of course, of course. That's going to be always a, a big advantage for this Patriots squad. We hope for inclement weather uh, weather at this point, just because we seem to be able to handle it more than anybody else. Just the, you know, whether uh it's a team messing up on their own or us being able to you know dumb down our offense defense whatever you want to say to figure it out inclement weather the Patriots that's a good thing Uh, but they are good the Dolphins are good the Bills are good the Jets have a good record at least and you're about to face them so now you got this crazy AFC division uh, where everybody at this point in time is in the playoffs if it was to start today So I got to ask, Andrew, if you had to rank the entire
1: AFC East division, one through four, what are you going with right now? Uh, That's easy. I'm going to go Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. All
0: right. Yeah, no, I, I figured that that would probably be the, the easy answer, the the go-to answer. You can't put the Jets over the Patriots right now until they prove that they can beat them. I don't care what their record says. I don't care that you went out there and you beat the Bills or anything like that. They are not above, in my opinion, this year, the Patriots, until they show that they can beat them. We just beat them before. You get another chance now. We can re- We can come back to that afterwards. And then I get that Miami has the better record right now. And they are showing that they are unstoppable when Tua is out there. But does anyone actually think that they're better than the Bills team, even regardless of that loss to the Vikings right now or this last week here? I I don't see how anyone could. So, yeah, I'm the same as you. It's Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. And that's just that's not us being Patriots homers, in my opinion. The Jets still have to just prove that they could beat us at this point, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they already proved earlier this year that they couldn't. I mean, we'll see what happens on Sunday. But, you know, when I look at stacking up the Patriots against Miami, I'm like, the Patriots haven't won in, like, the last four or something like that in Miami, you know? So, like, if I'm going to go back to last year against the Patriots, then I have to go to last year, like, in you know, a positive manner, too, where they blew out the Jets and hung 50 on them. So it's like, you know, the Jets are they're still a ways away.
0: Time for another break, but when we come back, we'll continue the conversation about the Patriots and everything they need to do after this bye week here on 90.7 WKKL.
1: The Claptrap, with your host, Zach Clapp.
0: We're talking about the Jets right now, but then moving into more about what the Patriots need to do going forward. Let's get back to it. Now it's been fun for them this year. And obviously they have a a crazy record that none of us would have projected going into the season. I don't think at least, Uh, but you know, it's, uh, they're also dealing with some injuries over there and some issues. Uh, Obviously they lost their, their great rookie in Brees Hall and everything that was a big part of their offense for a lot of those weeks. So uh, we'll see how they can do against the Patriots in this one pressures up, but I still think that, uh, you know, As you said, the the opinion on whether they can win this game or not has not changed. It has not changed at this point. But it's going to come down to a lot of things for the Patriots to make it to the playoffs this year. If they are going to make it, it is a gauntlet of a remainder of the season schedule for this Patriots squad, uh, for Bill Belichick, for Mac Jones, for the entire defense, what they got to do to step up and get to the playoffs. It's going to take a lot, I think, but... If I had to have you break it down to kind of one person, one uh, one piece of the team that really needs to step up for you, who would you go with in the second half?
1: Um, I think it, that's an easy one. I'm going to say the offensive line. They've just they've had no consistency this year. I mean, watching Isaiah win it right tackle has just been down, downright painful for the most oh. part. I mean, he just. He's got the tools, but he is just not engaged, and there's just I don't know, so much going on there. Um, I mean, getting getting David Andrews back this week is going to be huge. Hopefully, that helps Cole Strange, who kind of started strong, fell off the past couple of games. He's been benched a few times, kind of let up a few sacks, a lot of run stuffs. Um, but he might just be, you know, hitting kind of a rookie wall. Maybe the bye week will help with that. Um, really, the only consistency for the most part has kind of just been. Michael Lamueno and uh, Trent Brown on
0: the left side. Yeah. Yeah. They've been uh really solid. And Trent Brown took the news of his position being changed regardless of contract. We talked about that earlier in the season, and he's got to just run with it and still been the solid offensive lineman that he can be. Isaiah Wynn also got bad news and he's just sucked. So, I mean, you can see the two different types of people that they are and what they're doing with the opportunities that they have. Isaiah, Isaiah Wynn, like you said, it, it, he's shown that he has the tools to be able to be at least a serviceable offensive lineman. And it, and he's just time and time again, proving that he either doesn't want to, or I guess maybe he just really can't. I, I, whatever it is, he sucks <laughs> at this point. And it, it's, it's very frustrating uh, with him. I kind of had like a 1A and 1B. I kind of cheated on this one here. I mean, I'm going to go with Mac Jones to start it off just because, obviously the offensive line is a huge part of that Uh, no no uh ways around that no excuses about the offensive line they need to be better but mac jones needs to be better too i mean we all know it everybody's ragging on him right now for his uh regression from last year starting at the, the end of last year and working its way into this year he obviously had the injury that threw a big wrench in the plans and him getting that uh you know continuity with the offense going we understand that but he still made some completely bonehead decisions regardless of if he's just not on the same page with the wide receiver or whoever the receiver is the target at the moment he's just making bad calls left and right uh he needs to stop doing that obviously he can also help out that offensive line just the way that Tom Brady used to help out by making quicker decisions. Get rid of the ball a lot quicker. Don't have to sit back there and try and look for your second, third, fourth read. Sometimes it's as easy, just like Bailey Zappi was doing. It's it's this player. We're going with that one and just go with that play. Uh, it's going to work out better for the team, I think, overall. So Mac Jones, obviously, to me, needs to step up for this team to be a playoff team, right? And he's he has to overcome the fact that we don't love the offensive coordinator. He has to overcome the fact that he doesn't have that great of an offensive line right now, but he can be better than he is. And I need him to prove that. I need him to prove that. The other guy, I mean, obviously, the other big one in the room, the big dog in the room, the the face of the franchise, I think Bill Belichick needs to obviously step up going forward. Honestly, he brought this all on himself. He put himself in a situation where he brought in all of his guys, his coaching staff Matt Patricia, Joe Judge. He's got his guys on the defensive side too. He's going to, he brought this on himself. He has to coach things up better. He's going to have to help coaching up or getting people in line to coach up the offensive line. He's going to have to figure out the schemes and what works out better with the offense overall. Matt Patricia, get those guys going. He has to be the one that is going to coach up some of this. Somewhat mediocre talent that we have on the team in certain areas. It's got to be Bill Belichick. It's got to be Mac Jones. That's the duo. I've loved what the defense has been able to do. The offensive line is a problem, but Mac Jones can help with that. Bill Belichick can help with that. You need both of them to really step it up in my mind uh, to get things going. So we'll see how it goes. There's a lot of football left to be played. We're, we're kind of at the, the, not the true middle point, but it's at the, the midpoint of the season. We're about to start that second half and a lot of people have to step things up. But speaking of Mac Jones having to step up, I'm throwing this in here as just like a, uh, like a check-in to see how you're feeling about it, how uh, we think that people uh, around the team, the fans are thinking about it. But do you think that there's still a QB controversy at this point with the Patriots? I mean, I've just said it. Mac Jones needs to step up. Do you
1: think that people are still thinking that
0: there's a QB controversy here at all?
1: I mean, from my point of view, no, there's not a QB controversy now. There wasn't one two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever. The last time there was a legitimate one was in, you know, Tom Brady's second year with the Drew Bledsoe thing. Um there you go. I understand like the, you know, Zappy came in, he played well, he played a lot better than we could have reasonably expected a rookie in his position to, you know, um, he did a lot of things, right. And he deserves all the credit in the world for that. But I mean, if you just look at like the way the plays were being called and the things they were doing, like they were doing everything they could to protect him, you know, with Mac, they had more, you know, just five linemen there. And those guys didn't beat he's pressured. but you know, it was, you know, max protect basically when Zach, to me, it just, it was never actually really a thing.
0: All right. Experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties there, but we're going to get everything fixed when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The clap
1: trap with your host Zach clap.
0: Okay. It's time for me to answer the question. Is there a quarterback controversy for the Patriots? Here we go. Yeah. I don't think that it should be. I, I think, It's a no in my mind. It's a no in your mind. It's a no in Bill Belichick's mind. Uh, It should be a no in all the fans' minds. I know that there's crazy people out there, and being a fan is being crazy. I understand that. But I I don't know. I think that the the zappy thing kind of got squashed out when, you know, he gets thrown in there after Mac Jones gets, you know, comes in and, and kind of craps down his leg a little bit in the one or two snaps or, or possessions that he did have. Zappy came in there and got exposed immediately. Terrible throws, bad interception, bad decision-making as well. So I, I think that that should have kind of stamped out any of that fire that was going. I know that there are still people out there that are crazy enough to think that there should be a QB controversy, but come on, people. I know you're upset with Mac and the way that he's going. I agree with you. He needs to step up. But this is not this is not that kind of a thing. I don't want to be hearing that anymore out there. I feel like I, there's still a few little people, but it's it's a small small uh, minority of people. Oh, for sure.
1: But I mean, to your point of you know, uh, saying you want Mac to step up, also Bill, I I put more of this on Bill than I do on Mac because it's like you know Mac was doing a lot of good things last year. He had some momentum. You know, and it's like hey, he's coming a year or two in the system. Got you know some more weapons like. Things are going to be good. And it's like, nope, we shipped off one of his best offensive linemen for a fifth-round pick to Tampa. You know, we're just going, hey, we're going to plug and play a rookie. It's just kind of a makeshift offensive line. You got rid of his offensive coordinator. You change the system. You put two or one or however many people are calling the shots there on offense. Um, you put both of them don't have any experience on the offensive side of the ball or play calling anyways. I know Patricia used to do the offensive line stuff, but it's like you kind of did – everything you possibly could to set him back and nope. now you're seeing the result of that he doesn't have really does not have the same confidence or command of the offense as he did last year you know and i think with how much the offensive line is getting beat you can see him like he doesn't feel like he has time to you know keep making reads and he just ends up chucking up bad decisions which that is on him he needs to stop doing that for sure creating those turnovers but it's it's all a symptom of the problem of they didn't put him in a position to succeed this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, like I said, Bill put himself in this position. Nobody else put him there. He brought in his guys. He, he, you know, put all these roadblocks in front of Mac Jones progression. And now we are where we are. So, Bill, you got to step up in this this. Uh, next half the gauntlet is thrown in front of you you have top tier talented teams the best ones playoff caliber teams minus the Raiders uh, you know that are going to be in your way uh, in this future schedule here you're going to have to go in there step it up your coaching get your guys in line get them all in the right space it's it's on you at the end of the day you did it to yourself so uh, I believe that he can do it will he do it we will see and and it's not going to be to me about uh, you know going out there and, and dominating the competition. Certainly not that. It's going to be about being in these games. You can't go out there and, and roll out just a terrible what we've seen at times over this last this year and the year before, where they just no show in games. And it's like, what is this Patriots team? They're you know at, at the line uh, penalties, all these different things that are just holding us back you can't have that you can't go out there and throw eggs against the top tier tier talent it's going to be tough but you need to be in these games to prove that you know you can still coach uh, up a bunch of what might be mediocre certainly coaches but some talented players as well so I don't know it's going to be a tough sledding a lot of people need to step up We'll see how things are going to go. But as I said, we're kind of we're at the bye week here. We're at a a, a, basically a midpoint of the season. At at this point, you've had it in an extra game and everything like that. It's not the true midpoint, but it's pretty much there. So I'm trying to get a feel for how we're feeling about this team right now. And we got to kind of start throwing out there. I I, want to get some good topics going. I want to get some good talk about the Patriots. It feels like sometimes we're getting a little too down on them right now. So. If you had to go from a, from a good standpoint here with this Patriots team for this season so far, and I had to put you up there in front of the ballot, and you had to put in a vote for the offensive MVP for the Patriots
1: so far this year, who would you go with, Andrew? From Andre Stevenson by a mile. Nobody else should even be on that ballot.
0: Yeah, I I don't see how you could put anyone else in there. I was going to say uh, maybe you could throw in a few little sprinkle votes for Jacoby Myers just because of how much of a, a safety blanket he's been for no matter which quarterback is in there. I mean, he's got 40 catches on 52 targets and he's got three touchdowns, something that he usually doesn't do is score touchdowns. Been happy to see that. But I mean, it is it's Ramondre by a mile. But I I guess, I don't know. I I will say, Jacoby Myers has officially changed my mind on him. I thought that he was just like a journeyman guy that, okay, yeah, he gets open sometimes, whatever. Now I'm starting to think of him as like he's legitimately in that wide receiver two type conversation if you talk about him in the league. So Ramondre, the obvious one. But, yeah, maybe a little sprinkle on Jacoby Myers as well. I I don't know what you think of that's that's a That's a fair one there. All right. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, there's been not much – to be happy about with the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots this year. So yes, Ramondre has been great. Uh, He's what, he's got at almost 900 total yards rushing and receiving this year. He's got what four touchdowns or something like that. Uh, Five touchdowns, sorry, total between rushing and receiving. He's been the guy, but on the other side of the ball, the ones that have actually been kind of keeping us in this season. If you ask me the defensive side of the ball, if you had to go up there and pick out a player, For the defensive MVP, who are you going with? You'll have to wait to find out those answers, so stay tuned to 90.7 WKKL for more of The Clap Trap after this.
1: The Clap Trap with your host, Zach Clap.
0: We're back and answering the question of who is the MVP for the defense so far this year for the Patriots. Here we go.
1: I mean, this one's even easier than on offense. This is just the MVP for the whole team, by far the best player that they have. It's the man in the red sleeves, Matthew Judah on the menace. Yes, yes,
0: 100%. 11 and a half sacks, 35 tackles, four, good for fourth most on the team right now. 20 of those are solo tackles. He's been an absolute monster. He's another one that we need him to keep going in the second half here because we all saw it, we all know it. Last year, dominant through the first half, then he kind of fell off at the second half, whether that's stamina and, and conditioning and things like that, or or whatever you want to say it is, he obviously needs to keep things going there. And uh, I, I believe that he will. I believe he will this time. Uh, and, and hopefully he will for your Twitter handle name, at least, Mr. Red Sleeves. Oh, absolutely,
1: over there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, I will say for him falling off last year a little bit, I mean, it definitely happened. Um, I remember, I think it was, I say it was a Monday night game at the one of the last plays of the game. You know, under a minute left, he came out with a with uh, rib injury. Didn't go back in, and then after that, he kind of fell off. So, you know, it was never really anything too official, but I, I do have a feeling that had a lot to do with it. But we'll uh, we'll see how he does down the stretch this year. I I think he's going to be a lot better. I think um, he has a legitimate chance to get to 20 sacks and make his case for a defensive player of the year if he keeps it up.
0: Love that. Going to need that for for us to be able to make a playoff uh, opportunity here out of this season. He's going to be a big part of it, like you said. Best player on the team, but at least statistically right now. He's played the best. He's done the best. He is the guy. Uh, but I will once again, uh, as as I did with the offense, sprinkle a little bit of vote. And it's not on one person, but it's my show, so I'm just going to make up the rules here. And I'm going to go with uh, the Joneses. I'm just going to go with the Joneses in general on defense there, Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, and I'll even throw Marcus Jones in there for what he's been able to do on the special team side of things. I know I'm talking defensive MVP, But if we're being honest, one of the major gripes I had with this team for the first four or five, whatever, how many weeks it was, was Miles Bryant going back there in the kick return game. So even Marcus Jones has turned a big part of this team around just from being able to call a fair catch and actually get it, let alone also getting some good yardage there, which this team constantly needs to be in good field position. So I've been happy about him. You you know how I feel about Jack Jones. I think he is going to be legit in this league couple of huge interceptions, forced fumble. He's been doing great. Between all the Joneses, they have, have a combined 52 tackles. They've forced three fumbles. They have four interceptions and two touchdowns on the season. Jonathan Jones, he's been a great job going from that slot to outside. Like I said, Jack Jones. And then also a little bit of Marcus Jones. So sprinkle a little bit on those guys uh, for defensive MVP. The Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. I've been very happy with them so far. But – uh, as I said before, the the league itself had a crazy week, week 10. No Patriots involved, but a lot of things were going on, and uh, including that crazy game between the Vikings and the Bills. That's the one everybody's talking about. That's two juggernaut teams, and now I can't even call the Vikings fraudulent at all anymore. It seems like they are legit at this point, but one of the most legit and impressive things that we saw from that game was the Justin Jefferson one-handed grab that he had. I believe it was on a fourth down. If I'm wrong on that, I I don't – but he he made it a ridiculous catch. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't think you watch football because it's been everywhere. It's literally the best catch that I've seen definitely all season. And that's saying something because in the preseason, we remember there was a crazy catch by Mr. George Pickens as well. But I got to ask you, where does the Justin Jefferson catch rank on your list of great catches all time?
1: I think I probably have to put that absolutely at the top just because that was the only one of like these crazy ones where the second the ball was released by the quarterback, I go, pick. That is a pick. That is an interception. And as the ball was coming down into the defender's hands, okay, I was right. That is a pick. I mean, he basically just reached up like Odell Beckham style behind himself, grabbed the ball out of the defender's hands and then like with one hand just when he came to the ground, just pulled it towards him. It was just ridiculous. And then on top of that, when you think of, you know, the situation, like you said, fourth down in a crucial game like that against, you know, another juggernaut team and just with the game on the line, he went up and did that. Game on the line, you know, it just you know, I, I don't see how you can put anything else above it because most of the rest of them that you see, like even if they're contested, they're not contested like that.
0: Right, yeah. No, I mean, uh, unbelievable stuff. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing where you know that's who they're trying to go to and they still go to him and it's covered well, like you said, with a chance for an interception, clearly, and he still gets the ball. How, how the hell do you come down with that? In that situation, it's 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 probably the best. I guess the only thing I could say that would work for the Beckham argument is it was a touchdown, which I, I don't know if that really makes a huge difference on the catch itself, but it was for a touchdown. And secondly, if you want to say that the defender maybe helped Justin Jefferson a little bit there with being able to maintain control and, and catch it because he was able to almost intercept it by getting his hands on it, that helped a little bit. The Odell catch was all him. Those are the only two things I would say. But otherwise, I think Justin Jefferson's catch is the best one that I've ever seen. I can't, I, I watch it again and again, and I still can't understand how he caught the ball. I, I don't know how he had the, the the presence of mind to as he was flipping over backwards and falling to think about even holding on to the ball and trying to bring it back to his body. I, I don't know. It's an amazing thing. I'll never, as as me personally, with my limited uh, physical skills. will never be able to understand how any human being is able to do something like that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, outstanding can't, can't get over it enough crazy stuff. Okay. It's break time, but when we come back, we'll continue talking about other teams in the NFL besides the Patriots, including another team that might be back in the contender conversation. We'll do that when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL.
1: The Claptrap, with your host, Zach Clapp.
0: We're back and talking about teams around the NFL that possibly could be contenders. Let's get to it. That wasn't the only crazy thing that kind of happened this weekend. If I'm being honest, there's another team that I had almost completely written off that now I'm starting to wonder if they are back in it as far as maybe even title contenders at this point. I'm talking about the Buccaneers. You had that crazy game that happened in Germany. They played against the Seahawks a team that I would put as a fraudulent team. That's a team that, it, to me, I know that everybody loves the Geno Smith and it's fun and it's exciting and whatever, and it's their, their pokey little puppy type of team that was able to get to this nice record here. But you go and you play against uh, the Bucs over in Germany, and the Bucs are able to take care of business. Uh, do you think at this point that the Bucs are back to being a title contender after that win?
1: Uh, well for starters I'm going to have to go a little Terrell Owens on you for a second here cuz Geno Smith is my fantasy quarterback. <laughs> so don't talk don't talk about my quarterback like that all right man. Um, <laughs> I don't think um I don't think the Bucks are back to being contenders. No I mean obviously they're going to probably make the playoffs. They'll probably win a game or two because it's Tom Brady just doing what he does and just willing a subpar team to do whatever. But they just – they have too many holes, and a lot of it's the coaching. I mean, their play calling on offense is just atrocious and just they are just too flawed of a team to really win it all this year. I mean, I think they can make a little noise in the playoffs, but I don't see any scenario where they're beating the Eagles. and I don't see any scenario where if by some miracle they made the Super Bowl – where they wouldn't get absolutely smacked by the Bills or Chiefs or somebody like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's – that. To, to me personally, that's more of the argument against them being an actual title contender because to be a contender, you have to have a chance to actually win the thing. I think that they could probably get there just because when I look at the NFC, yes, there's a lot of speed bumps in the way for them. I think the Vikings, the Eagles, you got the Cowboys even that I think could be a potential interesting uh, team there. The 49ers have a ton of weapons. But then when I think about those individual quarterbacks matched up against Tom Brady, Cousins, Hurts, Dak, uh, and and Jimmy Garoppolo, they would all crap down their leg if they saw Tom Brady on the other side of the field there. I, I personally still believe that at this point. So I think that he could definitely, like you said, make noise in the playoffs on the NFC side of things. Maybe the team ends up, you know, screwing up defensively or whatever. I think that once he would get to a championship, though, and play either Mahomes or uh, – Josh Allen, it's over at that point. I think either of those guys beat them, so I don't know. I I don't know if you can call that a contender, if that's how I honestly feel about it, that he has no shot to beat anybody that comes out of the AFC. That's just kind of how I feel at this point. Uh, But we'll see how things go with that. All right, now I can't just say that it was all sunshine and rainbows, though, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they went over to Germany and played against those Seahawks with your Geno Smith at the other side. They did have – a very tough moment for not only the Bucks in general, but Tom Brady specifically when they had this old 45 year old man, no offense, no offense going out and trying to catch a ball on arguably one of the worst turfs I've seen in a while too, or, or fields that I mean, clearly that field by the way is not meant for 300 pound giant human beings. It's only meant for 150 pounds soccer players, right? At this point we can agree on that. But that Tom Brady attempt or or the throw from Fournette to Brady and that whole situation that went down, I'm sure you've seen it. Everybody's seen it at this point. Where does that play
1: rank on your worst plays list overall? I'm going to put that up there with, like, that atrocious fake punt attempt that Indianapolis had against the Patriots. Um i'm gonna put that up there with the butt fumble because it's like what little chance you have at winning this year goes completely away probably your only chance at winning is in the next 10 years is this year with tom brady and you're going to risk that on that type of a play are you kidding me that is why i say they can't be contenders because your coaching staff is that stupid there's no chance. There's no chance you're going to win. It yeah. just it, it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind.
0: You're, you're right. Now, now that you say that, the fact that they even put him out there in that situation, you're completely 100% right they don't deserve to be considered contenders because of that kind of thinking. Tom Brady must have had a brain fart because there's no way in his mind he should have been putting himself out there. I know that he went out there and he's on social media and he's talking it up like, I was this close to mossing that guy and taking it to the house, which is funny and all, great job on the tweet there, Tom. But how do you, how do you get into that scenario where you were even going out there, even on a good field, let alone that ridiculous field that they had them out there in Germany on? I mean, he slips, he falls. It was a terrible throw. Just like I, I no part of it looked like it was going to work and no part of it should have even been attempted. It, it's just ridiculous. So I, I don't know. <laughs> that was that was a moment, though. You had some of the highest highs in this week 10 of football. And then you started off with that play in the 930 a 930 a.m. game for us on the East Coast. Uh With that kind of just horrible, horrible play, I don't know. It was terrible. I think you're right. I think um, it's easily up there with the, the Colts fake punt where it just had a center lined up with the kicker, I think. And for some reason, he snapped it and then immediately got sacked by I forget who it was at this point. Uh, and then yeah for for as far as breakdown plays go butt fumble also obviously a hilarious uh, great memory both of them coincidentally against the patriots love to see that so teams just uh, you know not knowing what to do and uh having having those situations their brains just uh, you know go completely awry and and don't know what they're doing craziness craziness All right, time for our last break before we wrap up the show. So keep it here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Claptrap after this. The
1: Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp.
0: We're wrapping up the show with one of the most interesting things that happened in the Week 10 NFL schedule. Here we go. There was actually one more thing that I do want to talk about. When you think about... Brains going haywire and, and situations not going the way that they should have intendedly gone. We actually had on the gambling competition, which unfortunately Andrew can't do this year because he has other obligations. But as soon as we can get him back, we'll get him back in that competition. We had our boy Mendez. I don't know if you saw this yet, Andrew, but he had one of his picks was Devonte Smith over 51 and a half receiving yards in that Monday night game. And if you didn't watch all the way to the end, because it kind of was over at that point and they were just kind of going for a last second, you know, you know how they do the lateral toss around craziness and whatever, and fumble it here and throw it over there kind of play that happened at the end of the game. Devonte Smith before that play happens was at 58 yards receiving. He was given a loss of I believe, I believe he went down to 38 yards receiving after that last play where it just kind of gets thrown all around the field. It ends up in Devontae Smith's hands. He tries to lateral it backwards. It goes right into the turf, bounces up into a defender's hands, and he takes it back for a touchdown. That has to be honestly one of, if not the worst beats I have ever seen from a gambling perspective in my entire life have you ever even heard of anything that's even close to that bad of a moment? I'm, I'm sitting there texting with, with Mendes talking about how like, okay, yeah, we had a great week. He was, you know, he was going to be four and one on the week and his picks. And then all of a sudden we're we're sitting there like, wait, did they just give him a huge loss? Did he just, did you just
1: lose that bet? Have you ever heard of anything like that? No. I mean, that's, that's like, just it's outrageous. He texted me as soon as it happened and like, I was like, "What? No!" I'm like, "They'll, they'll correct that. Like, there's—they're not going to call that a loss of yard. Like, if anything, it's a fumble. I mean, he's passing the ball backwards. Like, how could you take away receiving yards for that? That doesn't make any sense." And I thought they would correct it, and um, apparently, they didn't. Apparently, that is—that is, that is going to stand. I guess that is just how we do things now, which doesn't make any sense.
0: I mean, we all hate those plays because what? It's worked once. Maybe twice in the history of football. Like, how many times does that play actually work? And for the gamblers in the gambling community, that kind of a thing that that creates a murderer. That that creates like the like the worst people in the world. How do you live with yourself after that being taken out of your hands? A bet that you should have clearly won, and then that happens.
1: I think that bad beat, that is going to be Mendez's villain origin story right there. That, <laughs> is, that is like the single pinnacle moment when like things went awry and he finally snapped. I'm pretty sure that's how the Joker
0: was created. I, I think, I don't know, if I go back and look at that, I don't know how they... But no, I mean, that was... I was so shocked by that Uh and, and the fact that that actually happened and they counted it against him and everything. I had also had the under in that game, if that had even touched me too, because it did, it went for a touchdown there, that could have been a bad beat. And another thing uh, for, for me as well. So I, luckily that was already over and I, I didn't really care about it anymore. But I mean, that that play, I don't know. They they need to get rid of it. It just, there's no point in even doing that. Just throw up a hill Mary, see what can happen. Don't do the throw it all around fumble ruski nonsense. It's just silly. And you're going to make some gamblers into villains. It's just really, that's how it feels. That's how it feels at this point. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I know that you've been doing some of your gambling stuff and everything. Have you had any crazy beats, big wins or anything recently that, I, I mean, I would say nothing could pale in comparison to what he had to just suffer through, Mendez, We 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 feel for you. Uh,
1: no, I, I had a pretty good week this weekend. Um, I think I got, I got 10 of the games correct, and the ones that I missed, it's like, You know, I I don't know why, but I took the Browns to cover against Miami and just, uh, you know what I mean? Like I deserve that one. So I I can't (laughs) complain about many bad beats this week. Um, I have some from earlier in the year, coincidentally, kind of coming back to bite me this week. Um, So I do a fantasy football competition called the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, It's kind of, you know, very unique set of rules, like 3,000 people in it or whatever. Um, So I had... Way back at the start of the year, Alvin Kamara, when he was playing overseas at like you know nine thirty in the morning or whatever, suddenly, unexpectedly, out. I ended up losing the matchup, even though you know nothing had been reported Saturday night that he had any type of injury, or anything like that. I ended up losing that matchup because of it, and now I'm looking at it like, oh man, playoffs. This is the last week of the regular season, and that playoffs start next week, and I'm like, I am on the cusp, and I'm like, and if I had won that matchup, if I played anybody else. I'd already be locked up, so now I got to sweat it out this week. Oh, that's the worst.
0: Uh, fantasy football can be the worst. That's another one that I'm sure there was some fantasy football people who lost their week based on something as crazy as the Devonte Smith play. Uh, I, fantasy is another thing; it just makes you want to rip your hair out and uh, you not want to do it anymore. I, I don't know. There's a lot of that that happens, but that's that's a tough one there um we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season goes I'm sure that you'll have some good insight why don't you actually remind the people again where you're writing where you're putting out all of your gambling uh
1: tips for them uh so it's at 365 scores um that's their handle on twitter um that's their app as well um so I do doing all my gambling on there as usual also doing uh, some DFS stuff if anybody's into that um pretty much just you know Going through the slates, who's the most undervalued kind of guys, um, most bang for your buck. So obviously it's all about, you know, distributing the salary cap and all that. I mean, everybody knows everybody plays DraftKings. But yeah, so all of my gambling and DFF, DFS stuff will be at 365 scores.
0: Love that. Hey, you should listen to him. He won our competition last year and now his strategy of player props is actually starting to win our competition again this year. Mendez has taken that. So, uh, you, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about people go follow him along also Patriots underscore Andrew at Twitter. And we appreciate you coming back on. We'll have you again uh, maybe next week or the week after to keep going over what's going on with this Patriot season. Love talking about that kind of stuff with you. And uh, appreciate you coming on to the show again, and we'll have you on soon. Thank you a lot. Sounds good. Looking forward to coming back. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you guys tuning in listening. We'll see you on Friday. Later.